Hello, gorgeous human, and welcome back to the Tough Love Terry podcast. I am very excited for today's topic because it went in a totally different direction than I thought it was going to go. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're talking about bananas today, kind of. But actually what we're talking about is social conformity. Uh, and I'll explain a little more about why I bring up bananas when we get into the episode. So yeah, let's get going. So as part of my ongoing experiment to create based off of words suggested to me by my community, the Beyond the Body Facebook community, uh, a few of the words were very interesting. And what I've done is I've put them, put all the individual words onto some popsicle sticks, which I just randomly draw out uh, every week. And, like I draw one out every week to give me a topic to write about or talk about. And this one was suggested by my friend Beth and the word is bananas. And I believe she followed it up with, well, that's what you get when you ask a person with ADHD to tell you what's in their mind. <laughs> but I was so excited to talk to finally pull that word out because I knew it was coming obviously because I saw the words but um but I was super excited because I had heard this study which you're gonna find out is not an actual study but I had heard about this study and I was so excited to present it to everyone and tell them about this beautiful very amazing study and the outcome that it yielded and all this stuff and before I started writing I decided hey maybe I should like look up where that study began so I can cite it in the article and all this good stuff turns out it's not a real study. What? But fascinatingly enough, the outcome of this fake study is actually the same outcome as what happened by people sharing this fake study. Um, so yeah, it was just it was just kind of a interesting thing. And so there is a supplementary blog post to this. And so basically what I'm reading to I'm going to read a bunch of it to you here and then ad lib it a little bit. But <laughs> I just thought it was really funny. So what is this fake study that I'm going to be talking about? You may have already actually heard about it if you're into psychology and social behavior and things like that. Well, the study is called the Five Monkeys Study, okay? But again, it's not a real study. Let me just reiterate that a thousand times as I go throughout this. This isn't a real study. So before you go tell people that you heard about this amazing study on the T Tough Love Terry podcast, say, I heard about this really amazing study that wasn't actually a study that I heard on the Tough Love Terry podcast, okay? Okay, great. <laughs> So this is basically the summary of the study that they said. So a group of researchers put five monkeys in a cage with a bunch of bananas hanging high up from a string and a ladder leading to the bananas. When one monkey would go up the ladder to grab the bananas, the researcher would spray all of the monkeys with ice cold water for five minutes. And I put in here, even though this is a fake study, I was still sad at this thought. Yeah, I did not like the thought of little monkeys getting blasted with cold water. But it, it's not real, remember. Okay, shortly after, a second monkey tried to get up the ladder. And again, the researcher sprayed all the monkeys with ice cold water for five minutes. 
Then the researcher put down the hose, essentially. When the third monkey just touched the ladder, the other four monkeys attacked him to prevent him from causing all of them to get sprayed with the ice-cold water. So now the researchers could see that the monkeys were doing the work for them. They didn't have to punish the monkeys for going up because the rest of the monkeys would do it for them. So once they recognized this, they then started to swap out the monkeys. So there was the five, we'll call them old monkeys, that were originally in there that witnessed the punishment and experienced the punishment, okay? So they then swapped out one of the old monkeys with a new monkey, one who hasn't witnessed nor experienced the ice cold water punishment. So they're brand new. So all they see is the bananas up at the top of the ladder. So very quickly, they try to get up the ladder. And of course, the old four monkeys attack him so that they don't get blasted with ice cold water. And he's probably like, what the fuck? I just want my bananas. The researchers then swap out another old monkey for a new monkey. So now there's two newer monkeys and three older monkeys. And this process repeats over and over where the other four attack the new one that came, comes in. The researcher continues swapping out all the monkeys until now they have five new monkeys in the cage. So all five of these new monkeys in the cage have not fit personally experienced nor witnessed the punishment that happens when they try to reach the bananas. But they still, well, in fact, it says, I wrote here, they still attack each other for trying to get the bananas. But the reality is, is none of them try to get the bananas because they are in fear that they'll get attacked, right? So as they add new monkeys in, they don't even bother to try to get the bananas anyways. And so the moral of the story is that many of us are going to continue to do behaviors that were taught to us, even though we don't know why. And this is a story of uh, social conformity, how we go along with what everyone else is doing just because it is um, it is what we perceive to be the safer option. Um, but what happens there is we we don't question, like had one of the new monkeys stepped in and said, like with the, when there were the five new monkeys in there, if one of them had been like, hey, why are we doing this? Guys, like, why are you attacking me for going to get the bananas? Then they maybe could have had some rational thought, as monkeys do, you know, <laughs> around this idea of like, yeah, why are why are we attacking you? There's no there's no punishment for us. Like, we don't see a threat. Nothing's here. Like, why don't we just try it again and see what happens? But the thing is, the fear had already trickled down by that point that they didn't even bother trying to get the bananas. And so again, part of me is sad that this isn't a real study because it's got a good moral, but the other part of me was happy because then these monkeys were not <laughs> splat, you know, they, the two monkeys were not sprayed with cold water. So I did like that. And no monkeys got attacked in this fake study. Uh, so that's nice. But again, the amount of people that shared this study as, as a real study basically proves the same point. People were sharing it because they saw the response it got. Now, this is more on the reward side of things. But this I, the first time I heard this study was on Joel Osteen's, like, um, I don't know, he does like a his preacher sermon thing or it was like a strengths thing where he was talking about it. Maybe part of Success Magazine. I don't remember. But anyways, but he was telling the story through there. So, like, he's, like, a big-name guy. Of course, that's religion, though, so that's a whole other thing. But anyways, so 
that's him. And then people use this as like a corporate training and they talk about this as like a real study that has happened <laughs> like this exact same way uh, without citing the scientific evidence behind it and all this stuff. And so people were going along with sharing this because they saw the response it got when other people did it. In fact, I think somebody even did a TEDx talk with this as their like main thing. And whether they didn't question it, they didn't research it, or they could have even just said there's this fable or this story about these monkeys. Like they didn't have to keep calling it a study, but they did. So it's interesting because even though the study itself was actually fake, the outcome of the study of the people that were sharing this information still proved it to be correct, that we will do things without thinking. <laughs> so... Now you're probably asking like, well, what the hell does this have to do with me? I'm not a monkey. I am not sharing a monkey study. Like, what are you talking about? Well, the reality is, uh, if you're listening to this, you are probably a heart-centered creative or somebody that, you know, that likes to be online on social media and things like that. I'm going to be speaking specifically to the heart-centered creative for this. But the reality is all of us fall into some sort of social conformity. It's just the way that we're wired. But it's also really important for us to start asking questions around why we do the things that we do. So for the sake of this, I'm going to pick out three main things that I see happening in the creative world about how this social conformity can kind of get in our way of doing the things that we want to do, whether it's good, bad, or otherwise. So the first one that came to mind for me is just thinking about my own personal experience growing up in a small town in Bozeman, Manitoba, uh, you know, small farming community. I have been told for pretty much most of the beginning of my life that the things that I desire to be and what I'm actually doing now uh, were not real jobs. Many of us have been told that photography or art or writing are great hobbies, uh, and, and, but you need to get a real job. And so as a result of that, many of us undercharge or struggle with valuing our time, our effort, and talent that comes along with doing these things. I've had ex-boyfriends and even relatives like uncles and aunts be like, even stills, to be fair, when we have this conversation, they're like, you can make money doing that? <laughs> And so I want you to think of it this way. Perhaps somebody you knew had their own experience. Maybe they tried to venture out on their own creative endeavor or be an entrepreneur or artist or something like that. And maybe their outcome did not end so well. Maybe they ended up, you know, losing all their money or maybe they were shamed by their family or being bullied by their family. And now they see you kind of going on that same path. They want you to avoid the same pit pitfalls that they experienced. So they're going to say, hey, 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 like that's not a real job. You shouldn't do that. You should do something more professional. And all of a sudden this becomes the narrative. And if you believe that, then you're going to say that to the next you know, the next people in your life. And then that's going to trickle down to the next people. And all of a sudden people are saying this, even though they themselves did not lose money or get shamed by their family. It's just a story that they were told. 
And so, and I think about myself again, my parents were really great. My dad literally thought I was going to the Olympics to be a volleyball player. Like they literally told us we could do anything and be anything we want. And I did have, and I do have, I'm still doing it, have the business smarts to be able to run a business effectively and do the things I need to do. But there's still a tiny part of me that believes what I do isn't a real job. And this is influenced by the ex-boyfriends, the uncles, the relatives, the teachers even that were like, oh, you should get a real job. (laughs) Literally, I can't like that's literally how they would say it. Uh, And the thing is, I never personally experienced shame or financial insecurity, but I was a of it because of other people's experiences with it. And so you personally never experience the shame or financial insecurity, but the stories that you're hearing are essentially equivalent to the monkey attacking the other monkeys to avoid the punishment. They just don't want you to fall into that. Now, again, I'm assuming the intent is a positive intent, but the impact is very real. It can really impact the way that we see ourselves in our businesses, how we view ourselves as business people. And add on to that, like if you don't see representation of people with your skin color or your body type or whatever in those professions, you are going to think that, oh yeah, it probably, there's nobody that looks like me so clearly what they're saying is true, <laughs> right? It's just going to feed into confirmation bias of this belief. So what do we do about this? So because the thing is, hopefully you are running a creative business if that's something you want to do. If you don't, that's totally okay. So how can we combat this if you're feeling it? So the first thing I would encourage you to do is look at your business objectively and without emotion. This means doing things like your cost of doing business. And I know that doesn't sound fun, but it is super important. If you are part of the everybody's all access pass, which is $27 a month, I do have a course created by Andrea Barnett Mendoza, which is included in that um, to help you. It gives you a spreadsheet and tells you exactly what to do. Plus she's super exciting to listen to. So um, if that's something you need help with, let me know. Also my friend Tamaya Colvin uh, runs a uh, profit uh, profiting course for photographers, which is really good as well. So there's a lot of different options for you to look into. Um, But doing your cost of doing business is going to help you see objectively the least amount that you can do your job for. And that really helps. It helped me a lot. The first like three to four years in business, I did not do a cost of doing business. And shockingly, I didn't make any money, which further confirmed that, oh, I just am not good with money, you know, all that stuff. The second thing is that you want to start expanding your story, this idea that you have by looking at people who are not just sharing, you know, that they're successful, but also sharing their struggles that they've had, but how they've succeeded through those struggles and do your research. This is really important. Like I see so many like, um, what do you call it? Like influencers be like, yes, get my social media course. Like it's, you know, $3,000 and I'll show you how to get all the followers, but they only have like 600 followers. That's don't do that. You know, like things can look very pretty on the outside. Do your research on it. Look for testimonials and all that good stuff. 
All right. Uh, and then with those, if you do have people in your life that are like, oh, yeah, I ran my business and it failed. Um, I don't suggest being an entrepreneur to anyone. That's not a real job. What I want you to do is get curious with them. Why do you think your business didn't work out? Well, it was the economy at the time or whatever. Oh, well, what could you have done differently or what would you have done differently now looking at it from the outside? Right, you're gonna start to build contacts and realize like, hey, maybe that person just was a shitty business person, you know? Maybe they did, they were doing something that their parents made them think they had to do. Whatever it was, it's gonna help you build contacts and understand that going into business isn't the problem, but the person that went into business might be more of the issue. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, so that's the first one. So just start expanding your mind with beautiful things and objectivity. Now, the second way that I so show that I experience a social conformity show up is that many of us, and I've talked about this a lot on this podcast. So yes, I'm going to talk about it again, and I probably talked about it in the last one. <laughs> But many of us get caught up in trend hopping instead of staying true to what is right for us. And when I say I am not immune to this, I have bajillions of stories and, you know, a, uh, a hoard, a hoarding amount of presets, a studio full of furniture and wardrobe that I don't even use and things like that. But the thing is, we tend to think that peer pressure is something that only teenagers face, but it's not. In fact, it probably only gets worse as we become adults because now we have like the financial capabilities to follow suit. Uh, and that doesn't mean you have the money to be able to do it, but it means you have options such as lines of credit, credit cards, and things like that, which can make you go into debt trying to keep up with the trends that are happening. And social media isn't making this any easier for us at all because we're constantly seeing new things. Trends are happening on a much faster pace because it's before something would start, let's say, over in Japan and then it would slowly make its way over to North America or start in North America and then slowly make its way over to Japan. Now, somebody has a trend in Japan, we're seeing it the next day in, you know, North America and vice versa. So it's really important for us to be very clear on who we are, uh, if, this is, if that makes sense. Because the thing is, if we know who we are and what we stand for and what our character is made of, it's going to make it easier for us to start questioning, oh, why do I think I need that thing? What am I actually looking for if I was to buy that thing? And so on. So the thing, yeah, so it's wild, but this is why trends are trends. And like we see this in terms of fast fashion is a perfect example. They quickly see what the high end fashion brands are doing and figure out a way to do it cheaper and faster. Um, it's not, and it's causing a lot of havoc across the world, environmentally, uh, human rights issues and things like that. But what it does for us as uh, creative entrepreneurs is it can get us into the hole of imposter syndrome. Right. And while the fake monkey study shows us the punishment side of social conformity, we also fall in line to reap the rewards of what we perceive other people to be getting. And so the thing is, the main reward isn't the thing itself, but rather the main reward of doing what everyone else is doing is that we get acceptance. 
We are avoiding the pain of being ousted from our tribe as weird, different, or rebellious. And this tugs at that very primal need that we have, like from back in our caveman days or cave human days, where chances of death were much higher if you were alone. And so if you were humiliated and your whole tribe was like, away with you, you probably would die very quickly. But now that we're semi-independent people in a relatively evolved world, we still need people and connections, don't get me wrong. But death is not as imminent uh, when we are alone. Like, we can spend time alone now. And so the thing is, if we don't question why we're feeling the need to buy all the things, then we are always going to feel like we're just falling short of all the other cool kids. Because just as soon as we buy the thing, something else will come across our feet and we're like, oh shit, now I need that chair or that couch. And this is the thing. You're talking to somebody that literally bought a $500 egg chair, you know, like the basket chairs for patios. <laughs> I just feel bad thinking about it. And then wait till I tell you about my six foot unicorn. <laughs> All right. Anyways, but I bought this $500 egg chair because someone that I had admired had one and I saw they were, you know, making lots of money. And my brain basically put the two things together that if you have that chair, then you also We'll make lots of money. And so I went and I bought the stupid chair and I sold it two weeks later because it was not at all in line with the work I wanted to create. It was not my style. And then the lowest of all the lows was when I bought a six foot unicorn. Oh, just thinking about it literally makes me want to throw up. Oh, it brings up so much anxiety in me. <laughs> It's so funny. So I don't even know what I was looking at, but I, I was in this really low spot in my business where I really had lost all of my value uh, because I'd gotten so far away of the work I wanted to create that I was just scrambling, trying to outdo other people, essentially. And my brain was like, you know what would be cool? <laughs> if you got a, a lawn ornament, a six foot unicorn with iridescent wings, a Christmas lawn ornament, and put that in your studio. What the so I set it up. I came home. I, I literally made Jill, my assistant at the time, go out and buy it um, because I wasn't even home. But it was all I was just like so hyper focused that this would be the thing that would make people accept me. Isn't that wild? Like how our brains work. Anyway, so I sent her to go buy it and I came home after my trip of feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm irrelevant and nobody likes me. Da, 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 da. And I got home and there was a stupid six foot unicorn that I had to put together. And as soon as I put it together, this wave of like shame and nausea, like just flooded me. And I was like, what have I done? And literally like the, I took it down and the next day I was like, Jill, we have to take this back. Oh, just thinking about it, literally bring, like my stomach right now is feeling so squidgy. But it was a good learning lesson. <laughs> and hopefully you'll learn from my six foot unicorn escapade. All right, but the thing is, whether it's seeing the perceived success of our colleagues creating beautiful images, featuring big angel wings, or clawfoot tubs, or neon lights, or cloud walls, or uh, I don't even know what's trending right now, or 
stuff just it's just stuff or either we're lusting after other photographers editing styles or lighting so we need new lighting equipment and we need backdrops and we need chairs and stools and studio spaces we need more space we need bigger spaces and it reminds me a lot of um, how when Pinterest came along how quickly the wedding industry just became like people's weddings just became a mishmash of so many things that had nothing to do with them as a couple but they thought they had to do it in order to be the best of the best essentially and so I do want to just make it very clear that there's nothing wrong with any of those things. There's nothing wrong with having big angel wings in your studio or closet tub or neon lights. In fact, I have two out of those three things. There's nothing wrong with looking at somebody else's editing and say, oh, I wonder how I can do that. Or looking at somebody's lighting and say, I wonder how I can do that. However, I have just seen that so many people, including myself, are literally willing to go broke buying these things in an effort to get people to accept them more. But it doesn't work because it's out of alignment with the messaging and the purpose. For me, while a six-foot unicorn is fun and pretty <laughs> and an egg chair is cool and nifty, it had nothing to do with my values or my purpose. It had nothing to do with celebrating the person. If anything, it distracted from the person. And that was so far away from why I was doing the work I was doing. So what are we going to do about this? So I do have a few, uh, if you're on the blog, there are a few different posts that I've done previously about values and a different like mindset tools for creatives. One is on values. That is probably the most important one that I recommend to people. If you go back to the podcast episode on values, I believe it is linked there. Um, or you can just listen to the podcast. That also will help. Um, and then I've also done a podcast on purpose and how we can take all our beautiful things and combine them where I interview my friend Nancy uh, and how she put all the pieces together to kind of find her purpose and how that has helped her. Understanding why you're doing the work you're doing is so important. In fact, for me, I like have to remind myself every day because I'm on social media quite often, pretty much every day, except for when I'm on my detoxes, my digital detoxes. Um, I have to literally implant in my brain like, no, this is what we're doing. We can appreciate what other people are doing without it becoming our own. Um, but it is a struggle. And when I notice that I'm feeling very much inclined to spend money on things, um, I've become very aware of what it feels like when I feel like I'm not enough or things like that. So I know that's time for me to go for a walk or take some deep breaths or get off the internet. The other thing you can do is if you are looking at something, let's say the angel wings are a perfect example of this, they're quite expensive, will investing, you know, $1,500 to $3,000 in those angel wings, will it be, uh, will it provide you a good return on investment? Like if you do the cost benefit analysis, yes, there's an upfront cost to purchasing them. However, do you believe and this is where your brain is very good at justifying things. But if you were to write it down, it's a lot harder. Uh, oh, do you believe that the benefits will far outweigh the cost? Okay. So by doing that, again, this is making it an objective thing. Had I done that with a unicorn, I said, okay, I just spent $250 on a fucking unicorn. 
<laughs> that I can't, nobody can sit on it. All they can do is stand by it. And it takes up like a quarter of my studio space. <laughs> yeah. Had I done a cost benefit analysis, I would not have purchased that thing. All right. And if there's anything, one of the main takeaways from the five monkeys fable, not study, is that we should question why we are doing the things we're doing and not just going along with it for shits and giggles. Uh, if you, again, are interested in learning more, you find that this is really resonating with you, this kind of thing, our next run for the Empowerment for Everybody course is happening next November with registration happening in August. And that is essentially what that entire 12-week course is about, is helping you get closer to why you're doing this work in the first place. Um, and I do know that most of the people that have taken that course, if not all of the people, have said that they feel significantly more confident in the work that they're doing after they've taken the course. All right, so let's get on to the third and final kind of way I see this show up. And at first you're going to be like, what? This has nothing to do with business. But the way that I see social conformity get in our way is that we ignore our needs, like our physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, all that good stuff, relationship needs because of the bullshit we've been fed from diet or hustle culture. And this is because it impacts us as people and humans and animals and not just our businesses because we, at the end of the day, are our businesses. And so I don't know about you, but I've literally tried pretty much every diet since I was 11 years old because somebody told me sugar is the devil, carbs are bad, fat is horrible. Did I look up to do my own research? No, because scientific studies are pretty inaccessible to humans uh, if you don't know how to read them properly. Um, but also, I was just looking at before and after transformations of people where this is what they would say. And I wanted the reward of that, which again, if we boil it down, did I want the body or did I want the treatment that the body got? Ah, there it is. Right. And I mean, how many of us still believe on some tiny little level that 1200 calories is what we should be aiming for in a day that came out of a freaking study about prisoners like that wasn't even that. And yet so many of us that especially those socialized as women were somehow that story got passed down to us that we should not have more than 1200 calories. What the hell? Uh, if I was to have 1,200 calories only in a day, I literally would probably pass out after a photo shoot. All right. But this is really important for us to understand that we are believing a lot of things about our physiological nature because other people's experiences with their own bodies. And the problem with that is our bodies are our livelihoods. Especially if we are artists, painters, sculptors, we're using our body physically. And so we need to make sure that we are in fact taking care of them in the way that is right for our individual bodies. Not the way that everybody else is doing it, but we are listening and learning from our own individual needs. All right. So, yeah. It's so important for us to do that. But then if we take it a step further, so that's diet culture. We've definitely had a lot of indoctrination for that. But I now want you to take a step further and think about hustle culture, which really ramped up in the last, uh, it's kind of coming down now since the pandemic. But up until the pandemic, it was like a good 10 years, I would say, 
um, where we were taught to just like, if you're not waking up at 5 a.m. and going to bed at 1 a.m., then what are you doing with your life? And, you know, sleep is, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Okay, if you don't sleep, you will be dead is literally what I was finding out. Um, And the problem with this is, again, social media has exacerbated that significantly because so many of us are worried about staying relevant. We think if we miss one day of posting that nobody's going to know who we are. We're nothing. And that confirms if we already have this belief or we don't think that we are enough, then that is going to be emphasized, right? We're going to feel like we have to keep showing up because if I don't, then nobody's going to know me. But how many people need to know your name before you, before you feel relevant would be my question to you. All right. And the thing is, posting on social media to stay relevant is not worth your mental or physical health. Please trust me on this. The shame that we feel for not working hard enough or doing enough, even though we are some of the hardest workers. Like, I was working 17-hour days. That's ridiculous. Like, don't do that. And I still never felt like it was enough. But it's only because we're willfully following this patriarchal, capitalistic narrative that makes us feel inferior when we don't hustle, right? And so, without, to be honest, without the pandemic, like, I don't know if I would have been able to take a step back and question everything I was doing in my business. Like now I was able to, because of that, I walked back into my studio, you know, after three months of not being able to do anything. And I just looked around and I was like, why do I have all this stuff? Like, why, why was I working so many hours? I was able to look at it objectively because I wasn't in it. The world forced me out of it. The world gave me the pause I needed. Because if I didn't have it, literally, my naturopath was like, yeah, your body is in chronic stress. You, you could have died. Okay, that's terrifying. I'm only 38. Like, I've got a lot of shit to do. Thank you. <laughs> right? And so I was able to start asking questions. Why am I working so many hours? Why do I think I need to make that much money? Who, why do I think I need to stay doing the same thing that I've been doing? Why am I okay to give all my time to everyone else and none of it to myself? And I just, I didn't have to take action. I didn't have to do anything. I just started to get curious and ask questions. And curiosity is now one of my, well, it always has been. And we're going to talk about that uh, shortly here. But curiosity has always been something that, that I relied on. It's always been a value of mine to ask questions. But what happened is as a, as a student and, and an employee, if I ask too many questions, uh, you usually get labeled as a troublemaker or worse, you get humiliated. And so I stopped asking questions and just started doing what everybody wanted. So what can we do about this, about the ignoring of our needs? So literally question everything. Why am I eating the way that I am? Why, what do I really want from 1200 calories? Where did I learn that fat is bad? Why am I okay to compromise my physical health for my work? Why am I so afraid to rest? What comes up for me? Why am I anxious about stepping away from social media even for a day? How does this eating regime make me feel? How does moving my body make me feel? What type of movement makes me feel joyful? What type of movement makes me feel in pain? 
Would it feel better if I did something else? Would I like to do something else? What other hobbies can I try? What am I avoiding by not doing this thing? Etc. Just start asking questions. And whatever the answers are, just respect them. You don't have to take action on them. It's just information. And so it's important for us to not feel bad that we do fall into social conformity. And I say this about a lot of things. It's very easy for us to feel shitty about doing things. But social conformity is like a very baseline, like we talked about, natural evolutionary thing. You're designed to want to fit in the end. But it is kind of bananas, going back to the bananas. We spend most of our lives just doing the things that other people have taught us until we start to develop our prefrontal cortex, right? Until you have that part of your brain fully developed, you really just are like, oh, this person loves me and they're telling me this thing, so that must be the truth. And then we start to develop our brain and we can start getting curious and asking questions. But as I just mentioned, one of the many issues with that is that most school systems and traditional hierarchical structures like businesses dislike people who ask questions of the higher ups. And they can be labeled as troublemakers, rebellious, da 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 da. And this can sometimes result in bullying or humiliation. And humiliation, if you did not already know, registers the same as physical pain in the brain. So if we go back to thinking about those monkeys, right? One monkey, one monkey does the action and then everybody gets punished, right? They, or they witness the punishment at the very least. So they're like, oh, fuck, not doing that. Similarly, when I was working for a certain weight loss company, and I would ask questions, why are we doing the things this way? And the regional manager at the time did not appreciate me asking questions in front of other people. So she bullied me and essentially tried to make me feel stupid for asking these questions. Like I should know better, but the whole point of asking questions is to get answers that you don't know, right? So, but she basically humiliated me multiple times in front of the group of people. So what do you think that told that rest of that group of people? Do you think they were excited to ask questions? No. And that's exactly what they wanted. And this is why usually people will pick one person out and make them, what, what do they say? They say, let's make an example out of this person. So that it'll mean the rest of them won't do the same thing. And that's how we create robots. That's not how we respect humans. And so the best thing that you can do for yourself and your peace and your integrity is to just become clear on who you want to be as a person and be curious about the things that you're consuming. Again, you don't have to believe it 100%. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to fall in line. You don't have to do anything. I just encourage you to expand your worldview and look at uh, look at and question things just like I did with that study. I said, well, this sounds like a really cool study, but let me make, you know, let me go see where it came from. Let me learn more about it only to find out that it wasn't a real study at all. Right. So it's a good thing I freaking did that or else I would have fallen into social conformity had I not asked the question. 
And so it's really important for us to do this. Uh, now, I do want to recommend that you head to my blog post on here because I have two videos linked in my blog post about this. And even if you don't read the whole thing, because it's essentially what I just said here, if you scroll right to the bottom of the blog post, there's two videos from YouTube that are my favorite that talk about uh, how social conformity can literally endanger our lives, uh, but also you know, put us in silly situations where we don't know why we're doing what we're doing. And sometimes, sometimes we'll ask that question, right? Like, why am I doing what I'm doing? And so I want you to just, I guess the whole point of this podcast is really to encourage you to just start being curious about the things that you're reading, consuming, watching, listening to, um, yeah, and just question it. it. Again, it doesn't, it's not questioning to be negative or questioning to prove anything. I mean, unless you want to, if that's part of your integrity, but rather just to have a full, fully rounded um, idea about the thing that you are interested in having as part of your business, right? Or as part of your creative practice or whatever. Asking these questions is going to help you not just question other people, but more importantly, I would encourage you to use that to question yourself. The thing is, people are going to do what people are going to do. People are going to publish false studies, like all that stuff. But ultimately, I the thing was, I don't want to be somebody that shares false information. That's important to me. And so I researched and found out that it wasn't a real study. So I was like, okay, I still want to share the story. Um, but I'll just let people know it's not an actual study, right? So that's able, I'm still able to use the information, just talk about it in a way that is in alignment with who I want to be. And so that's what I want to encourage you to do. So get clear on who you want to be. Get clear on, on what your character wants to look like, feel like, and so on. And then it becomes that much easier to align yourself with information or, you know, or people that, uh, that like that. And it's not just because that's the way it's always been. Oh, that is like the worst phrase you could ever tell me. Uh, don't tell me that that is why we do the things. No, I'm a futuristic thinker. We will think of new ways to do the things. All right. I will let you go now. This was enough of on social conformity. I hope you had fun. And now in the spirit of social conformity, <laughs> I'm going to ask if you found value in this podcast, if you could share it with your friends or all that good stuff. That way, if you need some content for social media, you can literally just share this. Uh, but if you don't want to either, that's okay too. All right. Love you lots. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.